right. Praise the Lord. Welcome to Sunday night service, everybody. How are we doing today? We're going to have a good time in the word tonight and fellowshipping and worshiping the Lord. Amen. We had a good time this morning, another baby dedication, and we sent another one of our young adults off to the Navy this morning. You get to lay hands on her, so it was a special time together, and tonight is going to be awesome also. All right, let's go ahead and stand up together. We're going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. And we're going to keep believing that America's coming to Jesus. Can I get an amen tonight? All right. Let's go ahead and speak these words of faith together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, give the Lord some praise tonight, and you may be seated. All right. Okay, we're going to go over some announcements here this evening. We got a lot of stuff going on. Mom, you can come up. I know you got an announcement. But um, anyway, praise the Lord. Uh, yesterday, we just want to say that it was an awesome uh, time at the church yard sale, all right? And uh, it may not sound like a super exciting thing, but uh, our, our team, they were able to, you know, just sell a lot of stuff. They raised, I think, $1,120 or so uh, for Harvest Fest. So that's really good for a yard sale. I mean, that's that's really good. But more importantly, they were praying for people, preaching the gospel, giving Jesus out for free all day long. So that was the absolute best part. And uh, we were really excited about everything that happened there. Um, we got a lot of Harvest Fest stuff uh, coming up. I probably have all that on the screen there. Uh, today is Carl's Junior Day for the church. And so if you get a flyer from the back table over there uh, and go to Carl's Junior here in town tonight, uh, they'll give 25% of your order towards Harvest Fest, but you do have to give them the flyer. That's good, right? And so uh, you got you can go to the drive-through or the uh, dining in either way, but make sure you give them that flyer, and they will give 25% to Harvest Fest, and we certainly don't want to miss out on that. And of course, the donut thing's going on still. Then the spaghetti dinner here in just a couple of weeks, uh, right after the service, and so we want to make sure that everybody gets to be a part of that. And again, it's all going to Harvest Fest. But I think they said this morning, out of four thousand. Well, they say we're only down to only needing $800 out of 4000 So that's really good. Amen. We'll give the Lord some praise for that. That is good stuff. All right. I'm going to let Mama give us uh, whatever she needs to announce here. All right. Okay. So this is a Righteousness Watch announcement. Okay. I'm keeping on top of stuff. Okay. So if you live in District 4 in Barstow School District, I don't know anything about that. I don't live in Barstow, but I'm keeping track of it for you. Um, a man named Aaron Heldreth is coming to a Patriots meeting this Tuesday night, 6.30, at Desert Mojave Desert uh, Christian Church on F Street. So if you're interested in hearing this man talk, you know, it's extremely important you know what's going on in the schools, okay? So you're, you're going to be able to hear this man talk and ask him questions and stuff like that. Because we want the best of the best in the school districts to keep the junk out. 
So if we've got believers, et cetera, good people inside the school boards and stuff like that, then we're more, you know, then you're more than likely to be able to send your children to a, a school that doesn't have the garbage in it. All right, very good, yeah. That's right, we want to be informed and be responsible as citizens to do the right thing, all right? Um, so I want to give an update real quick on the construction uh, progress, all right? And so everyone's been asking. Uh, so we, we have selected a contractor, and they're going to be starting work this week. So that's really good news. Let's give a nice shout of praise for that. So it took us a little while. Uh, we were, you know, working with a few different contractors and just having trouble getting people to give us the bid and writing that we needed. But we finally got the right people for the job, and they're going to be starting. And uh, the goal, Pastor Katie said, is she wants all the bathrooms done before Harvest Fest. So who knows that we can make this happen? Amen. Jesus can make this happen. So it's going to happen. And, uh, of course, we're working on the stage. That's going to be uh, all one level. We're, there's going to be some definite upgrades uh, to what we're doing here. And so just thank you, everybody, for your patience. And uh, we are getting a lot closer than what we were, all right? Um, men's meeting is Saturday at 9 a.m. So, men, let's do this. 9 a.m., right there in Victory Hall, uh, building next door. We're going to have breakfast and Bible study. So be there. Bring a friend. And uh, and we don't want to miss out. I know all the guys are already talking because I think we had to miss the last month's one. So uh, be ready. It's going to be really, really good. And then the Lyft family picnic at the park is going to be Tuesday, October 11th at H Street Park. From 5 p.m. until it gets dark, you know, right? Until they kick you out or something, right? Yeah. So uh, come on out. Bring food for your family. Bring a little bit extra to share. And I know last time people were playing games and eating and feasting, and it was a really, really good time. And then the last thing, we're just, we're just putting this out here to give you lots of heads up notice, but uh, start getting ready for the Honduras missions trip. Uh, it's going to be June 15th to 21st, 2023, and uh, it's going to be awesome. They're really looking forward. I think we're going to be able to bring a pretty large group down there. Uh, so the first step is to get your passport if you don't have that and uh, and start going from there. And they've told us the approximate cost is about probably be about $1,500 a person. Of course, you know, if airfare changes between now and then, you know, uh, then it would be maybe a different price. But either way, uh, we don't have to worry because our Father, amen, our Heavenly Father supplies all of our needs. And if He's putting it on your heart to go and bless people in Honduras, then He will provide the way, amen. So you don't have to even lose any sleep about it. You just know that God's got this. If you're supposed to go, you're going to go. Can I get an amen? All right. Well, I think that's all the announcements for tonight. Huh? Oh, yes, yes. I forgot about that. Do you want to talk about that or no? You want me to? Okay. All right. So I guess I forgot about this. Uh, so next Sunday morning at the 10 a.m. service, we're going to be doing our formal and official transition service where, uh, where they'll, I, well, Pastor Katie and I will officially become senior pastors of the church is what it's going to be. So, yeah. So, um, Anyway, you all know you've, your family, you've been around here a long time, so you know that this has been years in the making, and, and really, not a lot is gonna change, uh, you know, to the, to the eye, but still, we wanna make it official and, uh, and quit dragging our feet on it, so to speak. So, anyway, it's gonna happen, and I would love everybody to be here. It'd be really special to us and very meaningful if you would share this really big day with us, alright? So, please be here next Sunday morning at 10, and if you're like, well, I don't really wanna come, there's gonna be cake after the service, so I'm just just going to throw that out there if you like cake. If nothing else, you know, there's going to be some awesome cake and punch. So uh, if, that, if that doesn't get you to church, I mean, good Lord, you know, you, you, you need some help, all right? So.
So anyway, we're here for you and we'll help you. But praise God. But seriously, we do what we want you to share that moment with us and uh, and be a part of it. All right. Well, I think that is all the announcements that we have for now. So who knows what time it is now? Yes, it is happy time. Amen. And so if you need an envelope, raise your hand and the ushers will get you one. And we're going to open our Bibles to Psalm 78. Psalm 78. Amen. This is a good one. I say that about every psalm, every chapter, but but I really mean it this time. All right. I really mean it. Psalm 78. Who knows who wrote Psalm 78? Asaph. Asaph wrote it. All right. Very good. (laughs) Robert, you knew that, right? Yeah, you stopped that. You knew it. All right. Okay, all right. So Psalm 78, and we're going to look at a couple of verses here, but uh, verses 21 and 22. I'm in the NLT. But here we have, they're writing about the children of Israel and, and all the stuff that they went through. But as we look at these verses, you need to realize that it's not a burden, obviously, to the Lord when you trust Him to provide for your needs like we were just talking about. In fact, not only is it not a burden, but He wants you to do it. And we're going to see here in these verses that God actually got angry when his children were not trusting him to be their provider. And I know that as a father, I want my kids to trust me to be their provider. I don't want them having to go look elsewhere for their needs to be met. They should be able to, you know, look right to their to their father here on earth. And even so much more for you as a child of God, you should be able to look to your heavenly father if you've got a need and say, God supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Amen. And so Psalm 78 verses 21 and 22. This is a very interesting couple of verses to me. But verse 21 says, when the Lord heard them, he was furious. I thought God don't get angry. Well, he he is rich in love and slow to anger, but you can push him to the point, okay? And so he was furious. The fire of his wrath burned against Jacob, yet his anger rose against Israel. I'm like, what did they do that was so bad? But look, why was he that angry? Verse 22, for they did not believe God or trust him to care for them. And that's a big deal right there, that our father wants us to trust him. He wants us to tell him our needs and to believe and stand on the word and ask him to, to, to help us get the things that we need in this life. And so it's really important that we trust him. And was, I've always found it interesting. I saw I, last time the jackpot what is that Powerball? I don't even know. I've never played that. But anyway, you know, it's like up to 400 zillion dollars. And they're talking about the percentage of Americans and even Christians that were out playing the Powerball. And I was like, that's incredible. You know, like 75% of Christians are playing the power and only like 8% of Christians tithe. That's terrible. That means like that many more Christians trust the lottery to prov- they, they're saying there's a better chance of me winning the lottery than God actually backing up his word and supplying my needs. I mean, that just floored me when I, I was like, that is insanity. I mean, come on somebody. And anyway, I could go on and on. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, but I could, I could. And so I'm telling you, listen, if nothing else, trust God with the tithe. All right. And if you're going to do the lottery and bingo and everything else, at least give God the same amount that you're given to these things. Amen. And I say that because it's an insult to the father when you say there's a better chance of me winning the lottery than God actually supplying for my needs. And rebuke. I mean, that is that is a, to me, that's just a slap in the face. And uh, and it says, you know, it made him pretty angry. So 
Anyway, all right, let's stand up together tonight, people. How's that? <laughs> all right. I'm having a good time at church already, man. I just, I can tell we're going to have a good time tonight. Praise the Lord. All right, we're going to speak some words of faith over our tithes and offerings. And then our very own Ray Liana is going to lead us in some worship tonight. Amen. A product of the house. I knew her when she was about this tall, guys. About that tall, all right? Yeah, yeah. come on. I did, yeah. She grew up and learned how to play the guitar and sing. And so here she is. Praise the Lord. All right, let's go ahead and speak these words of faith together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, binding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go.
Thank you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus, we love you. We're here to serve you. Lord, we're here to change this region. We're here, Lord, to help change California. You said, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you said in your prayer, the Lord's prayer, you said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Father, we're here as a group of believers come together in this spiritual family to reach out, reach out with love, reach out with faith, and to help people to know you how we know you, Lord. We thank you that we're born again. We thank you that we're delivered from the things that used to hold us back. And now we're here to serve you and love one another. We thank you tonight. As we look at your holy written word, we're going to see things and get a hold of things that's going to help us do better for you. Thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Glory to God. Radiana, you are doing awesome. So proud of you. Amen. So proud of you. Uh, uh, Dad, Dad, I see that chest puffed out. <laughs> hey man, she's a good girl, isn't she? You know, I, I just, 
Oh, I, I just think about life, how life progresses. Before, before I get to the word, just a little reflection from a historical perspective. I've been having flashbacks of 1979 when I started seeking Jesus. And I, anyway, ended up in January of 1980 going to a Pentecostal church. And I look at some of the new believers at our church. I was 28 and a half years old. And I didn't know anything about anything except I knew I wanted God. And I found Jesus. And he introduced me to the Father. But I remember, I remember going to that church and seeing all those people that had been Christians for a long time. And I, st- I started off knowing nothing, just totally amazed, come in. And I know after that I talked to some of the people sometimes. They said, we watched you when you first started coming to this church. Said your eyes were as big as saucers. Said you just looking around amazed. Well, that's because I wasn't raised in church. I didn't know anything about anything. I came in there and... Uh, I wasn't born again yet. And I'd come around the anointing of God. And I, I remember one of the first things I noticed, I, I used to go to a country music bar, was my hangout place on the weekends. And my little church experience I did have, and I went to church, they never had any guitars or drums or anything like that. They just kind of just had a piano and, you know, get an old woman up there playing the piano, and we'd all sing hymns. And that's about what I remembered. I went to that church, I walked in there, I was totally shocked because my only members were that church I went to as a kid. And I went in there and I saw I saw guitars, I saw drums, and saw these people up there. And then I, I I just think about well, a month ago I was at the Grove. That's the place I went to. I thought, man, they had guitars, and they had drums, and they had beer. And I thought, man, they got the same thing. Except I didn't know anybody anointed or anything, but I just knew this. Well, this music's affecting me different than it did there. This is doing something to me. But it was anointing the Holy Ghost in there. And then I'm sitting here as we're worshiping God now, standing there. I'm looking around at this church here. I'm looking at the people's here this morning, the testimonies I heard about Harvest Fest and things. I'm like, man, we've come a long ways from where we started. And just thinking about Jesus and the Word of God. I got a hold of the Word of God as a young Christian. And because I didn't have anything to be deprogrammed, I let the Word of God reprogram my mind like Romans 12, 2 says, be not conformed to this world. And when I, when I heard my pastor tell me Jesus wanted me healed and show me the Bible, I believed it. When, I told me, when my pastor taught me about the benefits of being a tither, how God would bless me for being a tither, I saw it and I believed it. When I saw that... Uh, that in God's eyes there were no races, we're all the same thing in Christ Jesus. I believed that. I loved everybody. And and I think about that, and then I'd start running into religious people. And, you know, they'd lick their chops. Well, brother, you know, that literally, that literally remains. And I thought, I thought it said, lay hands the sick, they shall recover. How more literal can you get? And then I'd see that you're, you're supposed to love your neighbors, you love yourself. How much literal do you need? And then I saw that the tithe belongs to God as holy. Bring the tithe to the storehouse, and God opens the windows of heaven. I said, I don't see any butts in there. You understand what I'm saying? And so I praised God. I got under good Bible teaching, and I believed it, and I lived it, and I began to teach other people, and I see the results now. I look at the people now. I look at that little bitty old church. We was in Indiana uh, two times ago. 
And I started going through the old neighborhood place I used to be. I drove into that little church that I thought was giant to where it was now. And I don't think the parking lot would hold 20 cars. And when I went there, I thought this place is so big because I'd never been to a place like that before with all those people that were worshiping Jesus. That's all I can say I'm going to teach the Bible tonight. And I've helped people for years and years and years and years. I like the fruit of what the Bible does. You know, I, I, I just say this. Whether you've heard the Bible taught a thousand times or it's your first time or you're new at it, just believe this is God talking. And believe he's talking to you. And so I'm going to start off with today. Matter of fact, it's called Things That Accompany Salvation, my title. But I want to start off with Hebrews chapter 6, verse 9. And, you know, I, I just, uh, I've never really raised up religious people. I've got people de-religionized, if you want to, if you, it, no, I don't know what to say. You know, I, I heard Crapto Dollar probably 25 years ago gave the best definition of religion I've ever heard. Religion is all about God, but without God. They leave him out of it. They like to talk about him but they don't like to act like he's real and he means what he said. And so if you've ever noticed, a lot of religious teaching talks all about God. But he's not real, he's not alive to him. He's just talking about somebody in a book. Somebody that, here's what he used to do. Here's what he's going to do. But we know that's not for today. And you know, I think about the story I heard one time about, about the little boy. He was walking out of the church and the pastor was standing there at the door, you know, with his religious smile, shaking all the hands and everything. As he walked out the door, he noticed this little boy had, had, had a Bible, but there wasn't very many pages in it, just pretty much just one cover, one cover, empty. And he said, he said, what happened to your Bible? He said, where's the pages? He said, well, today, when you said that wasn't for today, I tore that one out too. I thought, why do I need that if it's not for today? I just want things for today. This is all I got left. And that's how so many Bibles are in religious churches. It's not for today. It's not for today. Jesus Christ in my Bible is the same yesterday and forever. And, you know, I don't know how the Lord talks to me, but I found out about really uh, serious religious people. They listen for voices. They want to hear something talk to their head. Well, God doesn't talk to your head. He talks to your heart. And then your mind's renewed to the Word of God. As those things come into your heart, they come through the filter of your head. If you've got a filter, then you're going to change what God said. But if you've got a right filter, you can trust it. But I, I said that to say this. This morning when I was praying about what he wanted me to talk about tonight, he immediately spoke to my heart, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 9. And he always talks to me through the Word of God. When, I, when, I, when I'm seeking direction from the Lord about my life, about church, about ministry, my family, anything I do, I've got a journal. I've kept journals for nearly all my Christian life. i got Man, I got the little white containers about Walmart. I've got tubs and tubs and tubs full of journals. And sometimes I go back and review a certain time of the year thinking about things and looking, you know, for what was God saying to me 10 years ago this month and things like that. But when I sit down in his presence, he always gives me scriptures. And let me tell you something. Uh, when, when Jesus talked about in John 14, 26, he'll bring to your remembrance everything he said unto you. Well, John 14, 26 says, everything he said unto you. He brings you remembers everything he said unto you. 
If he didn't say it to you because you didn't read the Bible, then he can't bring it to your remembrance. You know, when I, when I was a new Christian, when I was a new Christian, because I knew zero Bible, everything I read was God talked to me brand new because I never saw it before. And so when he talked to me, I would always write down things on three by five cards and learn them and put them in my heart so I'd know what they said. But I had to go then. It's not my chance because when your baby Christian know nothing, you can open up your Bible every day and God talk to you because you don't know anything. But if you get to a place in life where you should have been growing by now and think, well, I'm just going to find out what God said today and open up any place like that, you're liable to see anything. Bring six turtle doves to the temple. Where's the temple? What's a turtle dove? And kill them and cut their guts out. I don't want to kill a bird. You know, there's people that have been saved for a long time. That's what they do. They try to open up their Bible. And they say, well, wow, this must be the will of God for me today. That's not the way it works. You need to study your own Bible. You need to write things down. And then when you're having quiet times, like I was this morning, when the Lord gave me this verse, I knew immediately where it was. Because I always, always, always learn things chapter and verse. You know, I think it's really sad. It's really sad when you're talking to a Christian who's been saved a long time. Well, I don't know addresses. Well, how are you going to help somebody then if you don't know addresses? Can't you just easily learn chapter and verse when you learn the verse? It's real easy to say, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gives only begotten Son. First Peter 2.24, Who his own self bear my sins. I always learn the address with the verse. And that way, what I'm helping people, what I, what I found out over the years, the reason being with that is this. Sometimes you want to help Christians been around for a while, they don't know a lot, or you want to help somebody that's just getting started, and you can't, well, the Bible says, the Bible says, well, I know what, I was a baby Christian, and people, well, the Bible says, you know what I come to find out after I was saved for a while? The Bible didn't say that. They'd heard it preached, the Bible said it. And because all they ever heard from their pastor was the Bible said, the Bible said, the Bible said. And I began to, I got a concordance and I studied. I come to find out a lot of things were religious sayings that sound good, but the Bible didn't say it. Matter of fact, we were at a, we had a place a few weeks ago. This is a true story. We was at a place a few weeks ago and there was an older guy in there that was trying to impress people what he knew about the Bible. And then he knows we're pastors. So when he talks, he kind of looks over at us. And he says, you know what? There's a story in the Bible about two stars was talking to each other. One star said the other star. And I kept a straight face. I thought, man, I don't know what kind of Bible you're reading, but don't tell him I ever heard about the stars talking was it's a wonderful life, Clarence. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm saying, I'm saying it's really good to study your own Bible have whether it's myself talking, Pastor Dave, a radio preacher. Well, not, I guess they don't have radio. They probably do. They got all the internet and everything now. If you listen to somebody online and somebody's telling you the Bible says this, you need to open your Bible and you look and see if the Bible does say it. And then you need to look at the verses around it, read it in context, and not take one verse out of context and make a doctrine out of it. Amen. And so this morning, this morning, the Lord spoke this verse to me from Hebrews 6, 9. And it says this, But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation.
things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. And so, uh, as I as, as as I looked at that verse when he gave that to me, I got to thinking about our, our devotion we do every month. How, how many know we got devotional? We print them out now, and they're online. And so, anyway, in our, in our September devotional, uh, I, I, I put something in there that was out of my own journal in August when I was praying one morning, and I was writing down in my journal, and here's what I wrote down. Father, I want to live out my days to the fullest, walking in love, living by faith, serving you, and helping people in the name of Jesus. And that was just my heart to Jesus one morning in August. And that just really, it really ministered to me. I, I, I meditated on that for a couple of weeks when he gave that to me, actually my heart praying, but that was the Holy Spirit in me. You know, I, I, you know Mrs. Pastor and I, uh, we're not spring chickens anymore. We're getting a little older. And uh, I just always want you to know her youth is renewed like the eagles. And mine is too. <laughs> but, but anyway, as I think about my days, and I was praying about life, I said, Father, I want to live out my days to the fullest, walking in love. We are not going to be old grouches. We're going to walk in love. We're going to live by faith because it takes faith to please God. God, we're going to walk in love, live by faith, and we're going to serve Jesus by helping his people. And so anyway, that's what I put that I, I thought about this verse here this morning. I thought about that. That says there's things that accompany salvation. And so if there's things that accompany salvation, we ought to find out what some of those things are that accompany salvation. And you know, the first part of this chapter, you don't want to be, want it to be talking about you. It's talking about backsliding and getting in serious trouble with God. And that's why he said, we're persuaded better things of you. We're not going to go backwards. We're not going to walk away from God. We're not going to get offended about things in people in life. And you know, I think about something that that, that a sad thing when you're a pastor, you meet people over the years, you try to help people. But one of the saddest things I, I've ever heard from uh, backsliders is this: Well, I'm not going back to churches. They hurt me. Those people, me, they hurt me. And all I could ever say to people like that, but what did Jesus do? Jesus never hurt you. You know, you go you go back to a restaurant and you like the food. You might have had a bad server in there, but you like the food, you're going to go back in spite of who the server is. Or, you know, it might be banking business or doctrine or whatever it is in life. You deal with people, and in those places you go to do business with, some people are nice, some people aren't. And so why would people get offended because there was a mean church person? Or because some pastor sometime said something they didn't agree with. What did Jesus ever do to you to hurt you? Why would you run away from a place where they talk about Jesus? Why would you run away from a place when you got people that the majority of them are in love with Jesus and they want to help you? Amen? You said I'm saying? And so uh, you don't want to backslide. So some things that accompany salvation. And so uh, as, as I was writing these words out this morning... I thought of an acronym. You may have heard of this. Has anybody ever heard of the acronym, uh, acronym JOY? Those three letters, J-O-Y, what they stand for? And so, you know, with doing a, a PowerPoint, we'd have this up there, J, Jesus first, O, others second, Y, yourself last. That, that's the characteristics of Christianity. When you've got Jesus first... It's nearly impossible to get offended. 
Amen. And when you put others, others second after Jesus of what can you do to help other people, it's really hard to be depressed. Amen. When you put yourself last, then you've humbled yourselves under the mighty hand of God that God can exalt you in due time. And so Jesus first, others second, yourself last, things that accompany salvation. And so uh, keeping in mind our theme, I want you to look at verse 10. Things that accompany salvation. God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. Remember this morning, Pastor Dave talked about not being lazy, but working for Jesus. It says, God will not forget your work and labor of love. You want him to forget your sin, don't you? Thought the sea of forgetfulness, and you're murmuring, you're complaining, you're whining, you're meanness sometimes. You want to get those out of the blood of Jesus. But said, God remembers your work. He remembers your labor of love. How is that? Which you have showed toward his name that you've ministered to the saints and do minister. God takes that very personal when we help people. He also takes it personal when we hurt people. I'd rather be on the helping side, wouldn't you? Things that accompany salvation. And so as I was writing these things out, I thought about the fall of 1992 when Mrs. Pastor and I were pioneering our first church. We were about to step out into ministry God sent us to another town we 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 weren't from, and we started a brand new church down there. We were pioneering the church, and we were talking about, thinking about, praying about, what are we going to name this church? How do we know the church ought to have a name? And, you know, I think about uh, churches. I knew, that, I knew that all the different type of churches that we went to, we went to full gospel, word of faith churches like this, the ones we visited, things we did. We grew up in a word of faith church, and as a matter of fact, it was called Word of Life. And so we, 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 we knew that you catch the flavor of a church when you know its name. I mean, if you're, going, if you're going to go to the First Baptist Church, you think you're walking into a Catholic church? <laughs> if you're going to a Catholic church, you think you're going into a Pentecostal church? No, you identify with the name. And so if you come to a church that says Word of Faith, what do you think it's going to be? A Word of Faith Church. And so we were pioneering our church we got to talk about our experiences of Christianity. We got to do some preaching to churches and things like that, but I was still a truck driver, and we were starting a church where I was a truck driver, and so we were talking about it. And I, I'll never forget, it was pro- probably in early October of 1992, because we pioneered our first service was uh, no- November the 1st, November the 1st, the first Sunday of 1992. And we got to talk about I got to thinking about churches, I got to thinking about people, and I got to thinking about different Christians I've known over the years, which were so depressed you wouldn't want to go to their church. And I got to thinking about Christians that were smiley and joyful and bubbly and excited. And I got to think about my experiences as a Christian that, that the most joy I saw the Christians had were like the majority of people in this church that get to do something. You know, this morning... Did you see any depression on those ladies up here this morning talking about Harvest Fest? Man, how could you hear those, these people talking up here and not be happy, not be joyful? And then all the people that got to work at this Harvest Fest uh, yard sale thing we had, and all these different things. You know why they did that? Because they had joy. 
They had Jesus first, others second, themselves last. They were serving. And so as we were talking in 1992 about the name of our church, I got to think about the different Christians I've seen. You know, the ones where they're in a religious church where just a few people do a few things and make everybody sit down and shut up. I thought, man, that, that, that's a sad place to be. They got to think about churches like this where people serve God and get to do what they're programmed to do. You get Raymond back there getting to do the camera stuff. And, and, and you get Doug back there getting to do the PowerPoints. And Frank, what can we say about Frank? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you this, he'll always be Frank with you. And he he very frankly speaks. But you think about the joy of the people in here. So as we were talking, uh, we come up, you know, we thought about, well, word of faith, you know, uh, and just all the different names we heard. And I said, you know what, if I'm going to be the pastor of a church, I think the people ought to have joy in living. And I said, you know what, that's the name of our church, Joy in Living Christian Fellowship. We named it Joy in Living. And, And, you know, we have what we say. And so when we started that church and let people come in, we were baby pastors, knew nothing about anything, no training on how to be a pastor. We had to just get in there and start doing it. So the best thing I, I knew to do is we didn't have anybody in the praise team, so everybody could come in and uh, had a bucket and carry a tune. <laughs> they sang. And you know why they sang? Because our first service, I had, I had a little uh, cassette player, and I sang. And so the first, that was my first and last time to lead the worship service, because the very first family walked in the church in a new town that people we didn't know was a very, 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 very established worship leader, the very first one. Walked, to, walked into our church, him and his wife and their five little kids come walking in, and his mom was with him. His mom says, hey, my son can sing. He said he can play anything. And I was a new pastor, and I said, well, I can play the tape player, and I can sing, but that didn't go over very good. So God sent him in. And you know what? That family had joy in living. And then God said, a man wanted to be an usher. I thought, praise God for that. So he said, everybody in. But the, the common denominator was they all had joy in living at this church because I didn't tell them, you have to sit down here for a year and prove yourself. I mean, how are you going to prove yourself? My wife and I do everything because nobody was there. So then since then we've learned how to do things. But the thing, what we've always learned is this. Everybody is not called to be a Bible teacher. Everybody's not, everybody's not called to be an usher. Everybody's not called to open the doors or clean, clean the lobby. But somebody's called to do that. And when they get to serve Jesus by serving at his church, they have joy in living. There's things that accompany salvation. And he says part of that is serving. Can you see that? Amen. And so he says serving. And so anyway, uh, we look at verse 11 and 12. And he says, And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence through the full assurance of hope until the end, that you be not slothful, be not lazy, but follows them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And so that's that you get God's best in life, the things that accompany salvation. You're a part of something. You do something. God has wired us all different. I, uh, when, I when I got born again, I think about my life. I was very bashful. I was very timid. You know, I was a truck driver. And on the truck dock in the break room, I just was a person full of full fear. I just, I, you know, I was just very timid. 
All the guys would be sitting around doing the talking about it. I just kind of sit there, and I didn't want to say anything. thought I might start crying or something. You know, I'm just really, really a very fearful person. I got born again and filled with the Holy Ghost. All I wanted to do was preach. Because when I came alive on the inside, what was on the inside of me wanted to show up on the outside because God lit my fire. And so I think about, I think about people. There's some people that say, Pastor, all I want to do is clean the parking lot. I want to pick weeds. Can I, can I, can I work around those, those trees out there and things like that? That's how they're wired. That's where their joy in living is by doing those things. And then, you know, some people want to work at office stuff. Some, whatever, whatever it is, there's things that accompany salvation. And to me, what he's saying right here, that's what he programmed you to do. That's where your joy is. And for me, a real Bible pastor doesn't try to make a cookie-cutter Christian for one size fits all. Amen. Doesn't, doesn't say, well, if you're, if you're going to ever do this, then you have to work your way up. It you don't work your way up. You do what God's programmed you to do, and you stay faithful in doing it. He says, don't be slothful. You stick with it for those that inherit the promises. That's where the blessing of God is. Amen. That, 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 that's where your family wants to follow you as you follow Christ and show up in church because they see you have joy. You know, I think about Mrs. Pastor and I. We were raising up our children. Not one time did we ever say when we were sheep or after we were pastors, well, we have to go to church. They always saw so much joy in our life by getting to go to church. There never, there never was any forcing anybody to do anything because they knew, man, this is fun day. This is Sunday. Our kids, and I know my grandkids do the same thing. Our kids always, by the time it's about Friday, they always, is it Sunday yet? Is it Sunday yet? Our kids always want to know it's Sunday yet because they knew they was getting ready to go to church. They knew their friends were there. They knew dad and mom and everybody was going to have a good time because we were going where Jesus wanted us to go. And the devil was saying, well, we have to go to church. If that's the attitude in your family, maybe you need to notify your face. Get a little joy. Amen. You know, maybe that be, might be why some kids don't have to, don't want to go to church because they look at dad and mom's face and they go, oh man, is it Sunday? How can you tell if it's Sunday? Look how they're looking. Uh, don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. Amen. And so Christians in serving God have the greatest joy in life. And remember Nehemiah 8, it says the joy of the Lord is your strength. You see Christians that are full of joy, you see strong Christians. You see Christians that are serving God, they're full of joy. They're full of strength. They're full of life. And people want to follow them and imitate them. I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Things that accompany salvation. Isn't that quite a statement? There's things that accompany salvation. You know, that's, that's sometimes, uh, you know, it makes you think sometimes, does somebody know Jesus yet if they don't have something accompanying them? I want to say it again. It makes you wonder sometimes, does somebody know Jesus if things aren't accompanying them? I just, I have flashbacks sometimes. And I, I'm thinking when I was a truck driver, this happened to me two different times. I was delivered to a place, and I got to go there. It was like a, one of those office warehouses, like Office Depot or Office Max or one of those places. 
And this guy, I wasn't a regular customer. I remember I, I went in there two or three times, and I, I, I remember about second or third trip in there, I thought, man, this guy is really messed up in life. This guy is so depressed. I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really get serious today and talk to him about Jesus. I started talking to the guy. The guy said, oh, I know all about him. I used to be a pastor. He says, I don't go to church. I used to be a pastor. And I remember when I started pastoring, I always thought, and I'd see that man's face, that I'm never, ever, ever going to say I used to be a pastor. And so through good times, through bad times, through just what feels like nothing's happening times, I kept my joy. I kept on serving, stepped doing what I knew to do. And no matter how many times I got stabbed in the back, you mean you got stabbed in the back, Pastor? Man, my back was full of knives sometimes. How about Paul? He got beat. He got put in jail. You know that when you pastor, everybody doesn't love you? You know, when somebody comes to you and wants you to be on their side about hurting other people or about doing wrong things in life, and they say, Pastor, could I come in and see you? And the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 that pastors are to speak the truth in love. I remember one time this uh, man and woman came to my office, and they didn't really come to our church, but they started coming, <clears throat> wanted me to do their wedding ceremony. And they were probably in their 60s. And this woman tells me, says, I think, I think it was seven husbands she had. And I'm sitting there with this guy. And she says, I've been married seven times. <laughs> and I remember I said something like this. I looked over at him. I said, mister, did you hear what she said? You really want to do this? <laughs> I said, you want to be number eight? <laughs> And so, whatever else I said, all I know is this. As she used some words on me she shouldn't use in church, she got up and jerked him by the hand and walked out. So I'm sure that if you would have asked her for a recommendation where to go to church, as she would have said mine. <laughs> no, I'm just telling you, when you're pastoring, it's, 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 it's not all a bed of roses. There's things that go on, but one thing's for sure, there's things that accompany salvation. As a pastor, I'm going to keep on serving God. I serve at his people, and like I've told people for all my years of pastoring, uh, they're my job security. You know, I've had so many people told me, Pastor, I hate to bother you. I say, if you quit bothering me, I don't have a job. It's about people that have problems. We're supposed to be able to help people get the answers from God about their problems. And so if you're having problems in your marriage, problems with your kids, financial, health, whatever it is, you come in, you're getting goofed up in life, the best place to come is the church. Talk to your pastor because if everybody gets fixed, then what's God going to do with us? We don't have a job anymore. Amen. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18, says, But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased him, as this has pleased him. And so we're talking to you about things that accompany salvation and about serving Jesus by serving his people. He says, and, and he says he sent you in the, in the church as it pleases him. We have to realize that God is the one who wired us like we are. He's the one that put his desires in our hearts to do things for him, to help people. He's the one that had a plan for our life even before we knew him. Think about that. 
I, th- I think about all my goofy, sinful years, up to 28 years old, and I talked to somebody the other day that when I got born again, uh, I wasn't as handsome as I am now. I was just cool. I had an afro. I used to get my hair permed. I had a stupid frizzy. And I had a goofy, goofy, frizzy beard, fuzzy thing like that. I wore platform shoes. I wore, disc, I wore disco clothes to drive my truck because I wanted to look cool in there's some hot gal where I would deliver. So I wore my platform shoes. I had my bell bottoms. I had the stupid shirt, the stupid chain around my neck. I had my hair pick. I did my stuff. But the thing, what I'm saying is, is this. Even when I didn't know God, he had a plan for my life. Amen. Amen. And for every one of you, and for the ones watching out there, even before you knew him, he knew who your pastor was. He knew who your church family was. And let me tell you something about churches and church families. If God's the one who says he sets you in the church as it pleases him, then sometimes if you come to church and you get roughed up by what you're hearing, that's a good time to change. You know, one of the biggest things that surprised me uh, when I came to California, we came from the Bible Belt, and things were a little different out there. It surprised me when I came to California how many people did not know that if you go to, if you go to have kids with somebody and a family that God wants you to get married. No, I'm telling you the truth. When we came to California, it surprised me the amount of weddings we did out here in California to people that were already grandpas and grandpas and their kids were having kids, and they'd never been married before. It wasn't the Bible Belt. That shocked me. And so I come, I come, I come, I come to find out that as, as, as pastors, we had to teach people how to live because they didn't really know. And then some people, some people, they come to church and you tell them, you're not supposed to sleep with somebody unless you marry them. They think, man, we've been living together for 40 years, been married for two now. I think, glory to God. I remember we used to have, we used to do a lot of, what was that called, the Valentine's Days, the Valentine's Day dinners, whatever they were called. And it surprised me. We quit, we finally quit doing part of the thing there because we got tired of hearing it. it was embarrassing. We'd have everybody go around the table. Well, uh, now how many years you guys have been married? Uh, we're not yet. Oh, five kids? Uh, how many years you guys have been married? Well, we've been living together for 14 years, married for five. Well, praise God, they finally got married. But the whole thing was, as a church, you're supposed to help people. Amen. And so when God put you in the church where you got a pastor that's a God-pleaser and not a man-pleaser, he's going to say things. Amen. He's going to say what the Bible has to say. And so when God puts you in the church as it has pleased him, you're going to get fixed more and more and more and more and then, you know, I don't know when I was, I'm thinking about when I was a baby Christian. I, I would sit there, and they start saying things I never, ever heard about, being raised in a heathen family. And I would just sit there, and I, when I first came there, I'd be kind of embarrassed because everybody else was already living like they said to live, but I didn't know anything about it. And I was so happy as sin started falling off my life. I started right action coming in more and more and more and more where they said, now if this is talking to you, I'd sink down on my seat. 
because this is talking to me. That's what I've been doing. I didn't know that was wrong. I didn't know that was wrong. I was so happy the longer I stayed in church, the more I didn't feel embarrassed because God was helping me get cleaned up because God put me in the church as it pleased him. You understand what I'm saying? See, we're here to help people get fixed up so they can serve God. And then the more, the more you get changed, the more God trusts you to serve. Amen. And so in this verse here, we have to know that God knows where the church is that'll help us and where the church is that'll use us. Amen. God fixes you up so you can help fix somebody else up. God changes you so you can help change somebody else. And, you know, something that I didn't really think about after I was a pastor, heard a pastor say this one time. Matter of fact, it was in Bible school back in the early 80s. And, you know, I never, I never realized this because I, I kind of had a, had, had a thing. A lot of sheep, until they really get to know how it works, they kind of think like this. They think their pastor is God Jr., they don't realize he's a real person. And so I heard, a, I heard a preacher say this once. You have to remember, guys, we used to sit out there a long time before we sat up here. We were back there where you're sitting, so we know what it's like when you're sitting on that side because we spent a lot of years out there where God put us up here. And so that's the way this whole thing works. You all start out there where you are, and nobody starts off mature. You sit out there and you hear things, you start to know things, you start to do things, and then when God sends the new people into the church that's never been born again before, are people that have maybe they've been to a church and never really taught very strong Bible verses, they come in there and they think you're spiritual giants. Amen. But it all started by the process of God putting you where he wants you. And that's why, that's why I learned... I learned as a young pastor from somebody else, a lot of, almost everything you learn, you learn off other people saying things, that I heard a pastor say one time, in our church we pray that the people that belong here can't leave, but the people that don't belong here can't stay. Reason being, there could be a perfectly good Christian that's coming to a church because somebody wants them to come there, but God has another church they really belong in because it's the kind of church where you could use them at. So as, so as a pastor, it's never bothered me when I saw good, serious, sincere Christians that I just knew in my heart, man, they're just not really fitting in. They're not really fitting in. And then finally they come and say, you know what, pastor, we want to move on because we really, we really feel like this church over here is where God wants us. I've never, ever tried to talk anybody out of it. I said, well, glory to God, I'm a pastor. And I want you to be where God wants you to be at. First Corinthians 12, 18. He sets each member of the body as it pleases him. Amen. And so, but when it pleases him, you need to roll up your sleeves. Because he didn't put you there to be a couch potato. He put you there to work. And so I want to read, just go over verse 14 to, to 28 just kind of quickly. It's a passage you're probably familiar with. Then I want to tell you a story from my church in Indiana that made this so real to me. Verse 14, for the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? You know, I, I look at the ushers we got here. You know, 
uh, can you say, well, uh, Robert, you, got, you guys can't sing and play the guitar, so you're not a part of this church. Well, wouldn't it be terrible if Ray on tonight would have been out there trying to usher and then Robert come over there and tried to sing? No, they're part of the body. They're part of the body. Don't you ever get jealous or upset because you can't do what somebody else is doing. You're not supposed to. Amen. You know, I, I, I learned something a long time ago that I have to have my hands to preach. If my hands wasn't working, I don't know if I could preach or not. My hands aren't doing the preaching. My mouth and my spirit is putting this out here, but my hands are always moving. You know, wouldn't it be something if I had to put those little sock puppets on and go like that to try to preach? My hands have got their function, but they're not my mouth. And so your body has all these parts, but they're different parts, and you need them all. Amen. And so it says, uh, verse 16, If the ear shall say, Because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body. It's different not of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? Man, that'd be the twilight zone. Anybody ever watch the old twilight zone? Can you see a big old eyeball walking down the street? That'd be terrible. Amen. Where were the hearing? The whole we were hearing, where were the smelling? And then verse 18, God puts you where he wants you. If they, if, if they were all one member, where were the body? It takes the whole body to get the job done. You know, I could not have got to church tonight if my legs and my feet weren't working to get in my car. If my eyes weren't working to see to drive the car. It took all that to get me here. Same thing for all of you. In this church, it takes somebody in the church to get the lights turned on. Since Pastor David and, and, and uh, Katie, Pastor Katie run this thing. Now, I don't know who all does what now. I know that somebody has to turn the lights on. Somebody has to program the thermostats. Somebody has to hook up all the, the sound stuff, the, the camera, everything going on. There's parts here doing everything goes on. There's a part. If a part's missing, it's not going to go right. Amen. It says, now, uh, if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members yet but one body? When you think of High Desert Word Center, you don't think of, of Jenny sitting there. You think of everybody. You don't think of Raymond. We're High Desert Word Center. That's who we are. We're the body. We're all different. Some sing, some usher, some teach kids, some change dirty diapers. I'm glad that's not my calling. I more we Hey man, we have we we had eight kids and I think I changed a diaper once, didn't I? I think I might have. <laughs> That's back in the days where it's popular for men to do all the other stuff too. <laughs> or maybe just in my house it was. But anyway, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I don't need you. Nay, much more much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. He said there's parts of our bodies we keep covered up that nobody needs to see, but says they're still necessary parts. We need all the parts. And, you know, you think about the church here. I think about that part there. The main one you see when you come into church is the one doing the preaching. And then we just talk about the nursery. Well, nobody sees those guys. 
But man, if we didn't have those guys, how much, how, how hard would it be out here? And the children's church and all those different areas. That's the parts that are unseen. But if we didn't have those unseen parts doing their function, it'd be kind of hard to have the preacher out doing the preaching. All the parts work together, and there's no part any more important than the other part. You know, the, uh, the pastor is dead in the water, so to speak, if everybody else isn't doing their jobs. And so nobody could ever think, my part's a nothing part. Tell you what, let the nursery go on strike for a couple weeks. Or let the ushers have a walkout. I praise God that we're not a union in here. We are in unity. We are in unity. <laughs> Amen. And so anyway, as we go down through here, now uh, verse 22, now much more of those members of the body which seem to be more feeble or necessary and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable upon these bestow more abundant honor and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together. God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. And I think about that, that it amazes me, the people that out in the secular world will never talk to each other because they think there are two different economic levels, education levels, or whatever they are. You come into church, you come into church, you can have somebody that barely made it up to high school, they didn't even make it through high school, and somebody's got a Ph.D., and they work side by side. They work together because this person up here has this calling, and this person has this calling. They recognize we're called as one to serve in this church. You know, I think about some of the really super-duper college-educated professors people have had my churches over the years, and then some of the people that come off the street, got cleaned up, started working, but they're working together, the church all work together, they don't think about education. They don't think about profession. They think about Jesus first, others second, myself last. And they never think about what side of the tracks you grew on. They just think about, we're here together. We're called of God. He's tempered us together. He's put us together because there's people out there that God wants to send in here. If we'll be together as one in here, he sends them in, we'll help them. Amen. And, that, and that's called things that accompany salvation. So anyway, verse 25, that there be no schism, no division in the body. The members should have the same care one of another. And so, and, and going down these verses, we can go on, but I, was, I just want to tell you a story. Back in Indiana, in the mid-90s, we had a man in the church, I've told the story before, but anyway, he was, I thought he was an old man then, I've decided now he wasn't old because he's only 72. But... <laughs> <laughs> but back then, when I when I was when I was in my mid forties, I used to think seventy was old. And I found out it's not. What's old? I don't know. When I get to eighty, I'll think ninety's old. And I keep on going past that, then I'll probably think ninety-five's old. But until that point in time, the bar keeps moving. But anyway, the man the man had a stroke. It was a Sunday morning. And this anyway, the guy had a stroke. I was getting ready to preach. And uh, somebody come up, I mean, right about time, and said, said, hey, uh, James had a stroke. He's in the hospital. They don't think he's going to make it. I've never done this before, but I knew God wanted me to. So I turned around to Stan, my music minister. I said, Stan, i got to go to the hospital now. I said, you've got to preach this morning. Praise God for having people 
that are for the Word of God, for the Spirit of God, that can go with the flow. As I got to the hospital, when I got to the hospital, they told about the aneurysm he had in his brain. And basically, they said he's going to be brain dead if he ever came out of anything, which he wouldn't. said he won't make it till tomorrow. So went out there. I laid hands on him. And the next day, he came out of it. And God pretty much healed him of most of the stroke, but he still had some paralysis and stuff. I mean, things weren't working, some arms and stuff. I can't remember what all was locked up, wouldn't work. But he, he came out of that. He got him out of that. And so uh, a month or so later, I'm going to teach on 1 Corinthians 12. I just read about the body. And as I'm sitting there studying that and looking at that, Mrs. Pastor brought some bacon and eggs into me. And so I'm sitting there. I'm looking at my bacon and eggs, toast, coffee. And, man, I'm smelling that, how, how good that smelled. And as I'm thinking about how good that bacon is going to taste, man, my taste buds started, you know, you just kind of just, your mouth starts watering. Man, I can't wait to get to that. And then the Lord, then the Lord started talking to me about James and about the body of Christ and what happens when the body of Christ is crippled. He said, do you know that you're wanting to eat that right now because your nose is smelling it, your eyes are seeing it, and your brain's sending those signals out there? But if, you're, if you were like James right now, if your arm wasn't working, no matter how much you desired that food, you couldn't do it because you had to have your hand to reach down and drink that coffee. And, you know, you can think about it. Even when she was cooking, you could hear the bacon sizzling and things going on. And so he started showing me the body of Christ. And when God gives a desire to a pastor of something to do at a harvest fest, is a really good thing. Think about the desire that's in, the, in this church leadership now for Harvest Fest. No matter how much we desired to reach out to thousands of people for Harvest Fest, if the hands in the church wasn't working, we could, couldn't reach out. If the eyes in the church weren't seeing the people, we couldn't do it. No matter how much we see or how much we know, each body is very necessary. Every part in here. I think about how many remember Janet's in heaven now? Remember how much Janet, she got along in life with the one lot she could do. Remember that popcorn booth she loved? Janet would sit at that popcorn booth. You, you remember Tony and Sonia and Cletus and all of them? They first started doing being the hot dog cookers and everything like that. They stayed in the background. They cooked all those thousands of hot dogs. Janet sat there and had up popcorn all night long. Every part of the body did what they did. The people at the checkout table there, I think that one year we had up to 7,000. I mean, one year was a big year, thousands, thousands, thousands of people. But anyway, all those different things there would not have worked if each part of the body, no matter how big or how little the job was, they wasn't on the job. It's like that bacon and eggs that morning, that toasted coffee. It looked good. It smelled good. My mouth was watered, and I sat there, and I looked at when the Lord started talking, I looked at my arms. I never realized before how my body parts had everything to do with something as simple as that. The taste buds, if they didn't work, people had COVID. I, I, never, had, I never had that stuff, that taste bud probably. I heard people say they didn't have their taste for months. Anybody here go through that where they lost their taste? Was it kind of hard to enjoy food? Did it taste any good? Kind of rough. Has, has anybody ever, ever, ever had, had an injured hand or anything? where you have to use the other hand all the time, it's kind of hard to function. Well, you know, think about the church is what God's saying here. He's talking about things that accompany salvation. 
He talks about not being slothful. And so I think about pastoring that, uh, well, matter of fact, one time we pulled a good one. Remember that? That, that day we said, well, we're going to teach them how to be on time. And so we decided one Sunday morning, because leaders were continuing to be late to church, people late to church, church started at 10. And so one day we thought, well, we're going to do something different to break it. I believe we were spirit-led. So we didn't tell anybody we was going to be late that morning. So we didn't get to church to almost 1030. We stayed away. And they were all they were nervous, upset, didn't know what to do. And we thought, we're going to show you what it's like. As we come walking in the door, guess what that morning? We got a standing ovation. They cheered because the pastor showed up. Then we got up there. We said, that was a lesson for you. No matter what your position is in the church, if you show up late, just be up here like the pastors are. When the church is starting, we say, where are they at? Where are they at? Where's that? Talk about a position to work. Where, where, where's the nursery workers? Where's children's church workers? Where's the ushers at? You know, when you're pastors, you sweat it out when those things are happening. So anyway, we got that turned around, so I'm just saying, things that accompany salvation. Said God's, he's not, he's not going to forget your work or labor of love. It's a labor of love. It's work to serve in the body of Christ. But you know what happens when you're serving? You have joy in living. That's where the joy comes from. And so anyway, that's what the Lord gave me this morning for tonight. And I, I hope that stirred some thinking. You know, if, if I were depressed, the first thing I would check is, am I serving God? Am I doing what he told me to do? Am I doing what he programmed me to do? Am I doing what he called me to do? And then the first thing I would do, if I found out I backed off, I've got lazy in my calling, if I got to where I wanted to show up late, didn't want to show up at all, continue wanting to call in, say, hey, can you replace me today? I would stop. I'd go back to square one. I'd say, Jesus, I lost my joy in living because I'm not serving how you called me to serve. I'm going to jump in because that are things that accompany salvation and serving right at the top of the list. Amen. Amen. Pastor Dave. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. That was a good word, wasn't it? Amen. A really good word for us. And, uh, you know, God's put each member in the body right where he wants us to be. If you need prayer tonight, we want to make that available to you. I'll have our prayer team come on up here this evening. And if you need prayer for anything, we'd love to stand in agreement with you and, and see God work in your life. And if not, just take a few minutes to worship the Lord together uh, before we close things out tonight, all right?
close things out tonight. We've had a really good Sunday together. Amen. Another great time with the church family. Praise the Lord. Well, hey, we've got, of course, lots of stuff going on still. You can go to uh, Carl's Jr. still tonight. You just need one of those flyers. Uh, so the uh, proceeds will go towards Harvest Fest. Uh, make sure you grab that and lots of other great things coming up. And then this Sunday morning, okay, please, this Sunday morning is very special to us. It'll be uh, the transition service where they, uh, mom and dad pass it over to Katie and I to be senior pastors. And so it would mean a whole lot to us if you'd be here with us for that day and celebrate that occasion with us. Amen. All right. Well, let's go ahead and close things out, and we will do our Barstow Faith Confession. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for just this great day that we've had in the house of God together with our family. And, Lord, all the just the word that we've seen tonight, Lord, it's incredible that you've placed each one of us exactly where you need us in the body. And there are some really great things that accompany our salvation, as we just saw right there. Lord, we love you so much. We ask that you would use us this week. Uh, lead us where we need to go every step of the way. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, can everybody say amen? All right, let's speak these words of faith together. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, have a good night, everybody. See you Wednesday. Oh,